So we're looking at, we're, we're continuing to look at the spiritual, uh, at, not the spiritual gifts, that's a whole different series, at the, at the love languages. Uh, have you visited the website yet? FiveLoveLanguages.com, the number five love languages. Have you taken the test? Have you gotten your loved ones to take the test? It's really interesting stuff. Um, I, I think I told y'all, I, I think I know my wife's, I think I know my daughter's, but my son was a mystery. He took the test and I was like, really? That's what it came out? Okay, all right. It was good to know. Um, good to know how better to love my son. I don't know that I've started doing it yet, but at least I know. So let's see if y'all can name the love languages. Who can, who can shout out one for me? Yeah, yeah. Yep, gifts. That's what we're talking about today, giving and receiving gifts. What else? Words of affirmation? Physical touch? Acts of service? One more? Quality time. Very good. Very good. So we're talking about giving and receiving gifts today. And I remember the story of, of the man who woke up one morning and, you know, the alarm went off and, and he reaches over and he shuts it off and he looks over at his wife and she's just waking up and she says, do you know what today is? And instantly his heart stops because he doesn't. And he, but of course he says, yes, of course I know. And he gets out of bed real quick and he, he, he gets ready for work really fast so he won't have to talk to her again because he's got to get out of that house and figure this out before she figures out that he doesn't know what day it is. So he goes and on the way to work, he calls uh, a florist and he says, hey, uh, I want to order a dozen roses. And he has them delivered to his wife's job. And then he gets to the office and he's, and he's sitting there and he's thinking about it. And he's like, okay, roses are nice, but that's probably not enough. So, um, you know, so he, he sends his secretary out to buy a box of chocolates and brings them back. And, and, and he has them sent over to her work. So box of chocolates. So on the, he's sitting there the rest of the day working and, and he continues to think about it. He's like, nah, that's, that's still not enough. And on the way home, he stops by a department store. He buys her a new dress. He buys her pearls. He buys her all this stuff. And he shows up at the house and he hands it to her. She just bursts into tears. She says, honey, I don't know. This is, this is just the best Groundhog Day I've ever had. <laughs> okay, raise your hand if you've heard that one before. No? Yeah. There, there's dad jokes and there's preacher jokes. That's the latter. So, yeah. So, giving and receiving gifts. I want to start us in James. James chapter 1, verse 17. James chapter 1, verse 17. I can find it. Because remember, what we're talking about when we're talking about all these things is how to show love to someone in a way they actually feel loved. We started this whole series out, Love 101, by talking about what love is. Love is what you give to someone, not what you feel for someone, but what you give to someone. It's the sacrifice you make. It's the act you do for them. But what if you're knocking yourself out to show love to someone and they don't feel it as love? That, that's a terrifying thought. And I think many of us have experienced that in our relationships where we feel like we're, we're being a great friend, a great spouse, a great parent, but they don't, they don't respond. Um, for some people, it's receiving something physical, something material. That, that makes the difference, that makes them feel loved. Uh, verse 17 of James says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Obviously, I mean, you've been in church before, you know what I'm about to say, the greatest gift of all time is Jesus. The fact that God would send his only son 
would send himself. You know, you think about the Godhead. Jesus is God's son, but Jesus is God. They're one. God would send himself in human form, would go through that, would incarnate himself into this world, would, would experience life on our level, and ultimately do all of that to, to be our atoning death on the cross. That's, you don't get any better than that as an act of love, but that is a true gift. But according to James 1.17, every good thing we have comes from him. So, yeah, you think about the spiritual things. You think about, yeah, he gave us his Holy Spirit. I mean, we're the reason, uh, he's the reason we're alive. He gave us life itself. Um, he gave us eternal life after this one. But according to James 1.17, every good and perfect gift. So basically, I take that to mean if you experience some pleasure that is not a sinful pleasure, uh, if you experience something that brings joy to you, enjoyment of life, laughter, a good hug, uh, a good steak, uh, a good ball game, a good movie, a good laugh, that's a gift from God. He gave that to you. And you have those things, whether you're a Christian or not. He bestows those on you, whether you follow him or heed him or not. Those gifts are yours. And so that's why it's appropriate to thank God for all things. He's a gift giver. He just loves doing it. And then 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7 is another verse about gift giving. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. See, in the Bible, we read that when God first established a people in his own name, the Jews, he gave them a sacrificial system. This was how you relate to me. You sacrifice things to signify your love for me, your, your thanksgiving to me, your repentance. God didn't need the blood of animals. This wasn't, the point wasn't, oh boy, I, I need another bull. I need another goat. God doesn't need those things. He was teaching us that worship is giving, that love is giving something away. It was good for the Hebrews to do that. Now, we don't do that anymore because Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the once and for all sacrifice. He's our high priest. He's our Passover lamb. So we don't sacrifice animals anymore. But God still wants us to be generous. The, the sacrifices we bring to him are different. They're an offering of praise. They're an offering of, of our financial resources. And Paul says, when you bring those things, you don't bring it like, okay, God, here's your 10% or whatever. I hope you're happy. You don't bring it grudgingly, you bring it cheerfully. Now, I need to point something out. It doesn't say, if you can't give cheerfully, don't give. Because that's what a lot of people think. They think, well, you know, I wouldn't be a cheerful giver because I'm just a little too tight. Um, so I'm just not going to give until I, can, until I can afford to give cheerfully. And when does that actually happen? Never. That never happens. That's like, that's like people saying, well, we'll have kids when we can afford to have kids. You can never afford to have kids. You know how much kids cost? Ridiculous. You can never get to the point where you're going to feel secure in giving to God. So you don't wait until that point to start giving to him. You give right now. You give grudgingly and you say, Lord, here's my gift to you. Please change my heart. Change my heart and make me cheerful about this. And he will. Regardless, the, script, the principle all through Scripture is that God loves generosity. He loves it when we give, when we give to others, when we give to him. 
you know, one of, the, one of the consistent teachings of Scripture, especially in Proverbs, but all through the Bible, is that when we give to the poor, when we give to people who have less than us, then God sees it and it brings joy to his heart. In fact, one of the Proverbs says, he who gives to the poor lends to the Lord. Think about that. You think God is going to pay back someone who lends to him? Absolutely. You're never going to regret being generous to someone in the name of God. So that's the principle. God loves generosity. And I want us, I want, I want us to focus on this fact that that is a holy thing. Because I know that if your gift, if your, if your love language isn't giving and receiving gifts, like that's last on my list, then your first tendency is to look at people who that's number one on their list and say, well, you're just materialistic. That's your problem. You just, you just like stuff. But that's not the case. Now, can it be true that people like that are materialistic? Yes, but it can be true of me too. So if you have this love language, it's not that you like expensive things, that you like nice things. It's that it's the thought that counts. I know that's a cliche, but it's the fact that someone took the time to think of you and to purchase or make or, or a, grab something for you that they thought of you. That's what's important. So it's not the same as materialism. The second thing I need to say, and this is also preaching at myself, if you are a financially conservative person by nature, in other words, if you're a tightwad, any, anybody, Tightwad's Anonymous? Hi, I'm Jeff. I'm a tightwad. It's been, oh, anyway. Um, if you're one of those people, one, part of your tendency is to say, well, I'm not going to buy that for her. I mean, that's a waste of money. She doesn't need that. That's not the point. If you're a financially conservative person, your mindset is, you know, I'm sure she'd rather have something more practical. I'm sure she'd rather me spend my money on things that matter than on some silly little trifle, some little token. But a gift can be the best investment you'll ever make because it's a signal of love. It's a signal of thoughtfulness, especially if that's their love language. I don't know anybody who doesn't like getting gifts. That's the last thing on my list, but I still like getting stuff. It still makes me happy. But especially if you notice this is, the, this is your loved one's love language. Take time. Learn how to do it. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. So how do you know if this is their love language? People with this love language tend to be especially generous. They like to give. You know, I, I, I know this is one of my daughter's gifts. And uh, the first time I ever took her to New Orleans, she had a hard time walking past the homeless people. If, if you're in French Quarter in New Orleans, there's a lot of homeless and she would want to give every one of them something. And I'm like, Kaylee, we're, we're not going to have any more money to hang out in New Orleans. We're going to have to go home. Uh, but that's just her nature. She likes to give. Um, they put a lot of thought into gifts for others. This is the kind of person who uh, will agonize over, well, what should I give my friend? What should I give my roommate? What should I give my granddad? And you're like, you know, it doesn't matter. Just give them a gift card. Gift cards are almost never good enough for people with the gift, uh, for the love language of gift giving. They want something very personalized, very thoughtful. And for people like me, who that's not my love language, it'll kind of drive you nuts. Like, just give them something. If they don't like it, they can return it. No, that's not good enough. Um, they seem hurt when their gifts aren't appreciated or reciprocated. This is kind of the downside of this love language, is you go to all this trouble to find the perfect gift for this person, and then when your birthday comes along, they don't even wish you a happy birthday. 
And you feel small and petty for feeling hurt by that, but what it really is is you feel like I showed them an intense amount of love and they showed me nothing. Maybe I don't mean as much to them as they mean to me. Um, So if you know someone who gets hurt when they give a gift and it doesn't seem appreciated or it's not reciprocated in some way, that's probably someone who has this love language. And another thing about these, these people, I would say it's very likely they put more into special occasions than we do. Not just the gift giving. They just enjoy birthdays. They enjoy anniversaries. They enjoy Christmas and other holidays. Those things are important to them. If there's a member of the family that can't come home, it seems to hurt them more than others. So how do you love people with this love language? Or how do you give gifts in a way that's thoughtful, that's meaningful? I can't emphasize this next one enough. No important dates. No important dates. The smartphone is your friend. (laughs) Write it down and set reminders. There's no excuse. If you love someone, there is no excuse for missing a birthday. There's no excuse for missing an anniversary. Know their important dates. If you can go further than that, if you can find out the day of the year they were baptized and send them something on that day. Hey, happy second birthday, rebirth day, or whatever you want to say, or some other significant event in their life, and you can call attention to it. Man, you're really being a, a true friend to that person. You're showing them real love, and they're going to appreciate it. And that's the second thing. Pay attention when these people talk. Pay attention to the things they say, because they'll say, and not even thinking, I'm trying to give you a hint, although they may be doing that, They may say, you know, I've always wanted one of these. Or wouldn't it be great if we had one of those? Or how cool would it be if we had that? Pay attention to that. Keep a notebook. Keep a word file. Say, here's here's my ideas. Especially like me, if you're like me and you're not good at gift giving and you always seem to get the same gifts every year, start putting a little more thought into it. Pay attention to things they say. Keep a list. Here's the third thing. When they give you things, make sure you let them know how much you appreciate it. Carrie and I come from very different families in this. Um, Carrie's family is is much more outward and expressing thanks and, oh, this is the most wonderful thing ever. My family's much more low-key. It took her a while to get used to Christmas at the burger house where people would, I mean, first of all, everyone just tears into their presents at the same time. You know, in her family, it was, you went one by one around the little circle, and everybody sees what, what dad opens, and oh, isn't that wonderful, and he gets to thank the person personally, and then they go to the next person, the next person. In my house, it's just, it's just a frenzy uh, of paper tearing and, and throwing things around, and every once in a while, you hear, a, hey, thanks, this is awesome, and that's it. So I had to remember, not that this is one of Carrie's real love languages, but I still had to remember, I need to make sure she knows I appreciate it. And I definitely had to remember that when I went over to her her parents' house. When I was in high school, my senior year, we had a teacher named Mrs. Bland. Doesn't that sound like a great teacher, Mrs. Bland, right? Um, She was actually very different from her name. She was one of the more unusual teachers I ever had, uh, very eccentric. Um, But one of the things she did, this was senior English, and so in spring of our senior year, she did a whole unit on how to write a thank you note. And at first, we thought this was the dumbest thing ever. What do you, what do you mean, how to write a thing? You open up a card and say thank you and put it in the mail. No, she told us, you have, to, you have to name what the person gave you. 
You have to say, here's what I'm going to do with this, or here's how this is going to make my life better, or here's why I appreciate this. And you, you, there was a very, very specific format. This was graded. We had to write a thank you note for her to see, or else we didn't pass the class. It had to, it had to check off all her boxes. And, and basically, what her point was is, if someone gives you something, you need to let them know in writing. Let them know in writing so that there's no mistake that you're grateful. And that meant a lot to me years later. Because here's what I've learned. When people know you're thankful, they tend to keep giving you stuff. <laughs> That's not a bad thing. When they give you stuff and you say, eh, eh, that's great, you may never get anything else from them. And for good reason. Why would they go to all that trouble if you don't really appreciate it? Here's another clue, and this is something I've done before. Feel free to ask someone else what they think this person would like, someone who maybe knows them better or knows them in a different way. But be careful. Make sure you ask the right person. Okay, true confession here. Uh, when Carrie and I, I was getting ready to ask her to marry me, and I didn't know one thing about jewelry, I asked Carrie's sister, Bev, to help me select a, an engagement ring for her, for, for Carrie, that is. And uh, she did. Only, you know, years later, I find out Carrie and Bev don't have the same taste at all. So ask the right person, right? Ask someone who knows them well and say, do you have any ideas for me? And then here's another one. Know that it's not always about money. It doesn't have to cost something financial to be an effective gift. Sometimes it can be something you do for them. An act of service can be the same as a gift to a person who appreciates gifts. You know, if you, if you and, and your spouse bought a swing set and it's been sitting in the garage for six months, just getting out there and putting it together without her or him asking you to can be a fantastic gift. Washing their car, doing something for them. Sometimes it can be your presence, just saying, hey, you know what, I took today off because I knew this was your day off and I'm just going to be around the house if you need me. That's my gift to you. Um, sometimes it's a single flower. It's, it's flowers you pick on the way home. Sometimes it's a card you buy or you make. Again, there are some of you that you're like, man, I'm, that's just not me. I just don't do things like that. Well, get over it. I'm sorry, get over it. You, you want to love somebody, love them in a way they appreciate. So learn, overcome. You can change. It's not the end of the world. Here's another one. A gift for no reason at all can sometimes be the most meaningful gift you'll ever get. You know, you come home and you say, I was going through the airport, I saw this, and I thought of you. Or, you know, remember that concert we went to? I, I found this CD they still make CDs, right? Yeah, I found this CD of that band and I never even knew it existed and, and so I bought it and here you go. Or, uh, hey, remember that, that time we went to that movie? Well, um, here's, here's a t-shirt with an image of that movie on it just for us to remember that by. A gift for no reason is cool, because, is exciting and gratifying because it says, I didn't have to do this. I thought of you all on my own. There was no pressure. You weren't gonna be mad at me if I didn't do this. I just did it because I thought of you, because you mean something to me. And go back to us tightwads, that means we probably need to budget this. We probably need a, a spot in our budget that says, here's a little extra so that when I have the whim, when I have the idea, I can buy a little something for this person. And you can stick with it. 
And then finally, all right, I can't say this strongly enough, beware the message gift. The message gift as in, hey, here's a gym membership. How about that? Um, I love you so much, I bought you 24-hour fitness. No? Here's, hey, um, you know, these clothes you bought me are, are too small. Well, yeah, but I know you've been meaning to lose weight, so, you know, this will motivate you. Via con Dios, my friend. Don't, don't go there. No matter what it is, no matter what it is, don't, don't buy them something you think they should want. Buy them or get them something you know they do want or you suspect they do want. It's the thoughtfulness that makes the difference. And to go back, you know, every good and perfect gift comes from above. God knows what we need. He knows what we need before we even ask. Isn't that a great thought? Have you ever gotten worried that maybe I'm not praying correctly? There's no wrong way to pray. God knows what you need. The point is you go to him. You, you, you spend time in his presence. Prayer is not to get out of God what you want because God loves you already and knows what you need. Prayer is so that you can, you can be with him. And that's, that takes a lot of the pressure off, knowing that we serve a father who knows what we need and gives us what we need when we need it. I'm going to close us in prayer, and then y'all spend some time uh, sharing prayer requests, discussing things, and head on over there by 1045. All right? Let me, let, let me lead us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace, your grace that gives freely without expectation of anything in return. Lord, we know that our salvation is entirely because of you. And we know that every good and perfect gift comes from you. So teach us to be generous like you are, not so that you'll love us, but because you do. I pray, Lord, that you would teach us to be generous to the poor, generous to our church, generous, Lord, to the people you've brought into our lives for us to love them. I pray, Lord, that we would know how to give generously to them. And for those of us that aren't good at it, teach us, train us, help us to get better. And Lord, I pray that we would appreciate the things we've been given and we'd live thankful lives. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray all these things. Amen.